0: You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Welcome everybody and welcome to Shy Sox Weekly. This is episode 2 presented to you by White Sox Nation. I'm Tony Marchese and I'm here with my co-host John Suarez. John, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Today we got a couple things panned out for you guys. We're going to get to, uh, we had some fan polls that we ran on our new Twitter page. So we're going to go over some fan votes. We we like to interact with the fans. We're also going to go over the offensive explosion that the White Sox had this past week. There was a two-game stretch where the White Sox outscored their opponents 25-2. We're also going to get into the final roster cuts. The roster is down to 27 remaining Players. So there's two more cuts to be made, and then it's go time. MLB The Show 18 also came out, so we're going to go into a simulation that we did for the White Sox this year. And then our apologies to Mr. Carson Fulmer.
0: Yeah, we'll apologize to Carson Fulmer, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's jump into these Twitter polls that we ran today. So the first question that we asked our fans, which Sox player has the best chance of being an All-Star this year? Uh, the choices were Avicel Garcia, Jose Abreu, Yon Mancada, and other. Looks like nobody responded other, so everybody picked between Avi, Abreu, and Mancada. Let's take a stab at who was number one, Jose Abreu, with 52% of the votes going in for Jose. Coming in second was Yon Mancada at 31%, and only 17% voted Avi. What are your initial reactions to that?
1: It's kind of interesting to see because Avisal garcia was the only one that was actually an All-Star last year. I think that Yoan Moncada is probably a year, maybe two years away from being an All-Star second baseman. But once he turns that corner, it's going to be real hard to get him off the All-Star radar. Like I'm talking, he's going to make like eight, nine straight All-Star teams, kind of like a Robinson Cano type deal. So I don't think he's quite there yet, but it'll be interesting to see when he does get there. I think they're right with Jose Abreu. The reason I do think that is because not only within the division did Carlos Santana and Eric Hosmer both go to the NL, you know, you kind of got this turnover at the first base position in the entire AL. So it'll be interesting to see where Jose Abreu, who accumulatively has put up monster stats over the last three years, he just always kind of struggles to get it going, will fit in that all-star picture of the season.
0: I agree, actually. I think that Abreu is the obvious choice out of these three. Uh, Avi did have a great year last year, but we don't know how he's going to come out this year. And Moncada, although he is probably going to get more all-star appearances out of any of these three guys, uh, he could be about a year away. Although Moncada did have... What's quietly become a great spring in, in 18 games, he's got a 281 batting average with three homers, nine RBIs, three stolen bases. That's not bad, you know, for what he's, you know, projected to do this year, especially in the leadoff spot. And the defense has been absolutely stellar. So I think Moncada does have shot. Maybe we'll see two all-stars, you know, maybe a and Moncada can make the all-star team. Hell, if we can get three, that would be even better. And that's going to say good things about the White Sox going forward.
1: Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. When we had made those polls, it wouldn't give me the option to pick more than one option. So obviously for a lot of these questions, you know, there's a few answers in there. And I think one one of them was this one. With, um, I think, obviously Garcia and Jose Abreu are going to be All-Stars this year. It's kind of hard to fall off that All-Star radar unless you prove that you don't belong on that All-Star radar. So people are obviously going to be looking for Avi Garcia to see what he's doing early on. And if you're batting 330, you know, over the course of a season, you're going to be on the All-Stars.
0: Yeah. Now, the second question that we asked everybody was, who do you think the first prospect to get called up is? And, And you and I touched on this last week. I, I went with Kopech. I'm pretty sure you agreed with me. The choices that we gave everybody were you know, uh, Michael Kopech, Eloy Jimenez, Ryan Cordell, and, and Charlie Tilson. Now, Ryan Cordell didn't make the roster. We'll touch on that in our final cuts later. With that said, 42% of our respondents picked Ryan Cordell to be the first one called up. He won over Michael Kopech, who came in at 33%, and then... went to Charlie Tilson, and Eloy actually brought up the rear at 12%. And my initial reaction to that is that's pretty much spot on. I think Ryan Cordell, he proved that he should make the roster, and I think the only reason that he didn't was Ricky's insistence on carrying that extra relief pitcher. Kopech probably going to come up second out of this bunch after a few starts in the minors, and I touched on why last week. I think they want to make sure that he gets past all of the you know, things that he needs to get past so that they can have that extra year of control. I think that everybody responded pretty much spot on with what's going to happen. What do you think, John? See, the thing with
1: Cordell, and you touched on how um, the White Sox are planning on keeping eight relievers, so that kind of shakes it up in the landscape of what you're going to have. You know, between starting pitcher and relievers that leaves 14 spots, you know, that only leaves five people for the bench. So the reason I think Cordell didn't make the opening day roster is because Delmonico is so expandable. He's such a utility guy. You can play him at third. You can play him in the in left. Larry Garcia, you can literally play him wherever you want to. So Cordell was more so strictly outfield. So it gives the White Sox more flexibility in that sense. Also, I thought it was interesting to see that Eloy only had 12% of the vote. I think people are starting to kind of catch on to the idea that Rick Hahn is not going to force the issue with this. And that if Eloy forces his own issue, then he'll be up. But for the time being, Eloy is just a prospect and he's going to remain a prospect.
0: What do you think Eloy actually needs to do to force that issue? Does he need to hit, you know, five home runs in the week? Does he need to continue to, you know, bat 350 plus? What do you what do you think Rick Hahn has in his mind as, okay, Eloy's ready to go because there's obviously something out there that would push the envelope so far that Rick cannot deny an Eloy call up to the majors.
1: See, it's interesting that you say that, and it hates me to say it because I do hate the Chicago Cubs, but I think they're going to kind of follow the Chris Bryant plan. You know, Chris Bryant destroyed the minor leagues when they called him up. Like He kind of forced the issue. He had to, like, they had to call him up. You can't just keep a guy that's tearing it up down in the minor leagues. So, yeah, kind of like you said, he's got to be on the key of, like, like 330 to 350. He's got to have a healthy amount of home runs and the power stats have to be there. He has to prove that he can
0: absolutely make an immediate impact on the major league club. Moving on to the next poll we ran. How many wins do you think the Chicago White Sox will get this year? The choices were 80 or more, 70 to 80, 60 to 70. And we had the most votes for 70 to 80 at 53%. 26% came in with 80 or more. And bringing up the rear was 60 to 70 at 21%. That's showing that uh, the fans are pretty positive on, on this year's White Sox, with you know most votes coming with 70 or more total.
1: What that showed me right there was that half the voters were realists, quarter of the voters were very optimistic, and another quarter were very pessimistic. I do believe that the White Sox are going to kind of sit right in that 70 to 80 range. So you know our listeners kind of nailed that one. Uh, I did run a prediction earlier. I finally released my um, actual record prediction. So I put the White Sox at 77 wins this year. I think it's right under 500. It's five games under. It's like a quick little swing. I also did put a little side note that that could swing five games up or that could swing five games down. of depending on who they call up, what they're doing as a team, all that good stuff. I think it's more so going to swing down than swing up. I really, really am sold on that this team is a year away. They don't have enough. They don't have enough in the back end of the rotation. They don't have enough quality relief pitching. They have relief pitching. I don't think they have enough quality relief pitching. And they're not going to be able to score enough runs to be able to back the pitching that they have.
0: Well, uh, I've got them finishing 83 and 79, and we can debate this a little bit later. But I don't think we're going to have another tank season. And the votes kind of showed that we're, we're hovering at least around 70 to 80 wins. I think it's going to be a much better year to watch White Sox baseball than it was last year. Getting into the next question we asked everybody, who's the best relief pitcher this year for the White Sox? The options were Nate Jones, Soria, Luis Avalon, or other. And comment your answer. It doesn't look like we got many comments but 10% voted for other. 11% came back with Luis Avalon, 5% for Soria, and the majority winner here was Nate Jones, 74%. Nate Jones is going to be a very welcome addition, even though he's not an addition. He's an addition because he wasn't playing last year to that White Sox bullpen. What do you think the impact for Nate Jones is going to be? Because I think it's going to be very, very big.
1: Yeah, Nate Jones is probably the most important piece that you have in there. I don't know if he's going to be the best relief pitcher for the Sox this year. I actually believe that it's probably going to be Luis Avalon. You know, nobody saw Swarzak being the guy. You know, nobody saw Kane Lee turning into what he turned into. Avalon's played for a couple different teams. You know, he's bounced around. He's never really found a home that stuck, but he also has never had a Don Cooper. So I'm kind of hoping that Don, you know, fixes one of these guys. That's why I, we threw that other option in there because of all the, like, these minor league guys that we signed. You know, like John Mark Gomez, Bruce Rondon. You know, we're going to have a lot of these pieces in that bullpen all year. So you're going to see a lot of different names. So it really, may, I think the best relief pitcher is going to be whoever stays
0: the longest. Who do you think is going to actually close for the Sox this year? I mean, between Soria and Jones, it's going to be one of the two of them.
1: I'm saying Soria.
0: I actually I actually think that Juan Manaya is
1: going to start closing for the Sox. I don't know if they sent him down yet or not, but I'm pretty sure that if they don't send him down, that he's going to end up being the guy closing because he closes out the games at the end of the year. You know, he's got that high velocity. So I think that's what they're going to look for. I think that uh, Joaquin Soria's closing days are kind of behind him. I think he's more of a setup guy now. And, you know, Nate Jones, who have tried him in that closer role. A few times and it hasn't really worked out in our favor. So I mean, they can try again. You never know. He is coming off that injury, so we'll see.
0: I agree. I think Nate Jones is better served in the seventh, eighth inning role, setting people up in the eighth. Yeah, you know,
1: I honestly, I totally agree. Uh, that's gonna bring us up to the next question. This actually, this was my favorite question because this one, we, you know, what? No one's really talked about this, so going to be interesting to see it says when carlos Rodon returns in june who's going to be the odd man out of the white Sox rotation it listed uh james shields miguel gonzalez carson fulmer and renaldo lopez you know everybody but giolito basically i think that james shields might be the guy to go with. see it really depends on how the socks are doing Sox doing good james shields goes Sox doing bad Probably going to be Fulmer getting sent to either the bullpen or to AAA to work on it.
0: So I did rip on both James Shields and Carson Fulmer my fair share last week. Carson Fulmer, now is probably the appropriate time to apologize to you. Carson came out right after our last podcast, threw four innings of no-hit baseball, didn't give up a run, three walks, four strikeouts against Arizona, and an absolute rout of the Diamondbacks. Carson has obviously made the rotation at this point in time. It's not Hector Santiago. I think we'll give Carson the benefit of the doubt if he continues to pitch that way to stay in that rotation. James Shields still hasn't proven it for me. I agree with you. If the Sox are doing well, it's James Shields that needs to go. If the Sox are struggling and Carson Fulmer has struggled the way he kind of did start spring training, Carson is the obvious choice. I think the fans also voted that way. 52% come back with Carson Fulmer as the guy that gets kicked out of the rotation when Rodon's back. 18% said Miguel Gonzalez. I can't see Miguel Gonzalez getting dropped out of the rotation unless he's traded. James Shields came back with 24%. I could see James also being traded if he's serviceable throughout the first half of the year. But I think Carson Fulmer is probably the guy that gets dropped. I still don't see him as a long-term option in the rotation especially with Kopech coming up. You still have Rodon. Carson Fulmer is probably the odd guy out there. Ronaldo Lopez isn't going anywhere. Neither is Gialito. There's just no other option. James Shields is probably going to be going for Kopech. Miguel Gonzalez probably for Alec Hansen. And then you'll have your rotation, Rodon, Kopech, Hansen, Lopez, Giolito. I think that's what the rotation probably going to look like next year, if not 2020 unless there's a free agent signing speaking of free agent signings let's get into the next question who is the biggest free agent name that the White Sox land this upcoming offseason and the the contestants here were Manny Machado Charlie Blackman Dallas Keuchel or other the results came back with Manny Machado at 68 percent Charlie Blackman at 23 percent and only nine percent for Dallas Keuchel John what do you think about those results I
1: think what was most interesting about that is while the Sox might potentially make a push for all three of those guys, the most realistic guy that you're going to see in the Sox jersey next year is going to be Charlie Blackman, in my opinion. You know, Machado is going to be very, very hard to get. The Sox already kind of tried to trade for him this year to basically show their interest, I think is why they started up those rumors this at the winter meetings. But the thing with Machado is everybody else wants him. You know, he's not the biggest name in free agency next year. Obviously, you got Bryce. So, it'll be interesting to see. The Sox are obviously going to put an offer out for Machado, but Machado switched to shortstop this offseason. So, if Tim Anderson has a good year, he's not going to want to move out of shortstop. I know Machado's not going to want to move back to third base. So, that'll be interesting to see. It'll also be interesting to see, you know, like the progression of the young guys to see if they even really need to go out and sign one of those top-of-the-line aces or if they can just kind of like maybe do it how the Astros did it and just work these guys up gradually and then eventually have a starting five rotation, you know, four or five guys off of people that came up strictly through their farm system.
0: Well, I don't think they actually need to sign a Dallas Keuchel. This team might be able to get by on a trade deadline rental next year to to push into the wild card if it's not this year that they actually contend. But a big free agent signing would go a long way for this club. They haven't in the past made these big free agent signings on young, you know, long-term talent. A lot of their free agent signings, like we touched on last week, are older guys who are on their last legs. Signing a guy like Machado or Blackman, or even Dallas Keuchel would be a huge step forward for the White Sox organization. Something that's kind of out of the norm for them. I would love to see Machado at shortstop on the south side. Do I think it's going to happen? I think it's a far shot. You definitely need to figure out third base still. I would almost rather them hold out for Nolan Arenado uh, in 2020 rather than going after Machado just because of the positional conflict that that would cause for Tim Anderson. If Tim Anderson has a good year this year, going out and signing Machado, I think would send him the wrong message. Charlie Blackman somewhat makes sense, but, John, let's talk about Adam Engel. If Adam Engel has a great year this year in center field, and then you've got Eloy and Avi, if you sign Avi, well, yeah, you'd have to trade it. You'd have to trade Avi at that point. If you're going to sign Blackman, you have to trade Avi.
1: No, I'm saying trade Engel. If Engel has a great
0: year, trade
1: him. You know, you're so stacked up with these young center field prospects. You don't, I mean... You really don't need Engel.
0: What do you get back for a guy like Engel though? That's that's my question. For a guy who had a very poor offensive showing in twenty seventeen, for him to come out and hit in the first half of twenty eighteen, I don't know if he's that movable. I mean, maybe for maybe for a lottery ticket piece, but I mean, why not keep Engel? He's not he's not eating up much salary. He's got great defense. You could always use him in a bench role. But, I mean, granted, I would definitely take Charlie Blackman over Adam Engel any day of the week. And I think that's,
1: like, next year we're going to start to see that turnover. We're going to start to see those guys that, you know, like me and you are sitting here, like, not so debating but questioning. Like, if Engel can have this great year, the Sox are going to go get somebody that they know is going to have that great year. Opposed to, like, relying on maybe Adam Engel is going to be good for however so long. I do see them keeping him. You know, I mean, I'm saying if he has a good year, trade him. If he stays how he is now, you keep him and you use him for what he's worth. You use him as a as a rotational guy, You use him for someone that you can bring in the eighth inning to pinch run for someone that can't run at all, you know, something like that. But I don't see Adam Engel's not a starting center fielder on a division winning baseball team. So his lifespan in the White Sox lineup isn't very long in my opinion.
0: I agree with you there. And Adam Ingle is a defensive replacement in the eighth, ninth inning at a White Sox club means that the White Sox are winning ball games. And that's absolutely gonna say that the White Sox are in contention. So going out and getting a guy like Charlie Blackman, I think is a is a good move for the White Sox next year. It's always fun to think about the future, but obviously we gotta get through this year first before we start dreaming.
1: Yeah, that wraps up our uh, question segment, our fan polls from our Twitter page. We'll probably run a few more of those throughout the course of the year. It was pretty exciting interacting with the fans. Uh, if you ever have any questions, go ahead and DM us at Weekly, all one word, on Twitter. We are always available to answer questions. We're looking forward to, you know, kind of getting some questions, picking your brains, and putting your questions on the air. For the next um, segment that we were going to bring up, we're going to bring up the final cuts. You know, the Sox are kind of nearing that final cut mark. They have 27 remaining on the roster. Um, You bring the cuts down to 25, so there's two more names that have got to go. A couple big names we saw go this week. You want to tell us a little bit about that, Tony?
0: Yeah, the biggest name I think we lost this week was Ryan Cordell. Now, Ryan was expected to make the roster by many people, including yourself. I was a little hesitant to put Ryan Cordell in the opening day lineup or even on the bench, but Ryan had a great spring. He appeared in 17 games, he got 41 at-bats, he had 13 hits. He had two triples, four doubles, eight RBIs, he stole a base, he walked seven times. He was batting 317. That's kind of a, a, a major shock when you look at those numbers for somebody who got cut, but as we keep talking about, that outfield's kind of crowded. And the Twitter poll also showed that Ryan Cordell is a fan favorite to get called up right away. I think that he probably does belong in AAA, making starts every day with those kind of numbers. Got to keep him active. If he's not going to start in center field or in left field on the, on the south side, you got to get him some at-bats. Charlotte's probably the best place for him at this point in time the other one who was cut that was also a major surprise was Chris Volstad Chris was having a great spring we touched on that last week you know two more cuts to go I'm surprised that Cordell wasn't the last one cut John do you have any thoughts on, on the final cuts that we had this week.
1: See, the thing with Cordell is it's just kind of an unfortunate situation because he really did deserve to make the team. But with Nicky Delmonico, you know, kind of proving that he's not as injured as we thought he was and Lurie Garcia kind of cementing himself on the roster last year he really had kind of a real long shot but when the reason i put cordell in there was because that was right around when delmonico got hurt when we recorded that first podcast and a separated shoulder is never an injury that you take lightly so i didn't think delmonico was going to rush back to it and i honestly thought that cordell was going to kind of fill the delmonico role for the time being so that's why i had him up there it doesn't shock me that he got cut now that we know that delmonico is going to be there I think I was more so shocked about Chris Volstead. He's been having a phenomenal spring. You know, the Sox, uh, they got one more pitcher that they're going to cut, one more position player, so it'll be interesting to see where they go with that road.
0: Yeah, I agree. Very surprising that Chris Volstead was sent down. In 11 innings this spring, he only gave up one hit, no runs, struck out seven batters. Not the kind of performance that you normally see get sent down, but... Nonetheless, he didn't make the opening day roster. And moving on, uh, I kind of let this slip through the cracks earlier. But in Carson Fulmer's start, the last start that he made after our last podcast, the Sox won 15-2 against the Diamondbacks in what started kind of an offensive explosion of a two-day stretch where they scored 25 runs. I'm going to talk a little bit about this Diamondbacks game. They had a seven-run fifth inning. And all these runs found only one home run by Matt Davidson. Everything else was manufactured by hits. They had 20 hits in that game. Two came from Yon Mancata, one from uh, Lurie Garcia, one from Abreu. Cordell had two in that game. Matt Davidson had three. So did Adam Engel. I mean, it looks like everybody who got in this game, with the exception of uh, Avi, that started the game got a hit, or multiple hits, for that matter. It was very pleasant to watch. I actually got the chance to watch a little bit of that game. Uh, The hits just kept on coming.
1: Yeah, that was uh, one of the most funs I've had watching uh, White Sox baseball in a little while, even though it was just spring training. Like you said, the hits just kept on coming. Fifteen runs in a game is never an easy feat, and the craziest thing is is they went and they scored ten runs the next game. And they got another 20 hits. So 40 hits in two games is just ridiculous. They shut out the Texas Rangers. They beat them 10 to nothing. They only gave up three hits, too. So that means that back-to-back games, the pitching was there. I want to say that was uh, Giolito's start. He had a really solid start that day. But also uh, in the game against the Rangers, you know, Avi had he went two for three. Mancata went two for four. Larry Garcia went two for three. Yomer Sanchez went two for three. So all these guys that you're going to actually be seeing at the major league level this year are producing right now. So, you know, maybe they can translate it into the uh, regular season.
0: Yeah, that was a Giolito start. He had uh, six in the third with only giving up two hits, struck out four. Obviously no runs. Giolito is looking like an ace.
1: Yeah, Giolito looks real nice early on. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he progresses through this year and to see where he fits in the rotation next year. You know, does he maybe surpass Carlos Rodon?
0: I still think he's a 2-3, but Carlos Rodon is kind of like we we touched on a little bit earlier, the forgotten guy here uh, in our Twitter poll. and that's, I, I think that was a great question to ask everybody. I think he's definitely the forgotten guy because Carlos Rodon does have number one, number two stuff. And so I think it'll kind of be a battle between Kopech and Rodon once Kopech's here.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see once that plays out. So moving on here, on to another segment that we wanted to get to you guys. MLB The Show 18 just came out this week. It actually came out, well, it didn't actually even come out yet. It comes out on Monday, like the 20, no, it comes out on the 26th, so Monday, yeah. But me being the lifer that I am, I went and pre-ordered it like two, three months ago. So I got to the uh, midnight release for the pre-order. That was on Thursday. So I've been playing a movie the show a lot lately. So I, uh, what me and Tony here thought would be a good idea... Well, it was actually Tony's idea. I'm not going to steal his thunder there. But Tony thought it would be a good idea to run a completely simulated season. Put the lineup how we think it's going to be. You know, we, had the, we have an idea of the starting rotation. Everything else we kind of just filled out. You know, we put Adam Engel in the center field spot, Delmonico and left, uh, Matt Davidson at third. So the DH we didn't really have control over, and I'm not going to go back and look at every single box score. But MLB The Show 18 thinks that the White Sox are going to go an abysmal, even worse than last year, 64-98. and 98. What do you think about that, Tony?
0: Ouch. Ouch, that is bad. Uh, I don't think that the Sox are going to actually finish the season that terrible. That puts us in probably last place. What what did that have us in, finishing in the AL Central?
1: That would have definitely put us in. Let me pull it up. I have it pulled up. <clears throat> that would have put us in. I want to say it would have been second to last place because I think the Tigers had like 64 year. So it would have put us in like a top five draft pick slot again which you know you can't hate if you're not going to make a playoff spot this year maybe tanking is the option but you know like you and some other people seem to think the white Sox do have what it takes to make the playoffs this year yeah the tigers i was right they went 64 98 so it would have been the same exact record as the detroit tigers
0: so that's i think i don't see the Sox finishing that low Although a few injuries, and I know we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of, of what this sim ran, but uh, a few injuries, and I think the Sox can have the potential to be that bad. But I have them finishing 83-79. and 79. I have them finishing in second, which puts us really close to a wild card. I think with Kopech coming up, if he can have a good second half to the season, I think with Yoan Mankata, if he can hit the ball, batting 281 out of the leadoff spot like he has this spring, and Jose Abreu and Avi Garcia repeating what he did last year, I think the Sox have a good chance. You see these spring training games, and I know they're just spring training games, but if you see them putting up you know, 25 runs in two days, the offense is there. Those games came when we were playing our starters. I think if that's a you know, somewhat true tale as to what they can do, It's going to be a fun year, and if somebody comes up and bumps Carson Fulmer and James Shields out of this rotation, or even if both of those guys surprise us and pitch well, I think this team can win above 80 games. I I don't think it's that far-fetched, and we could be like the Twins last year and actually surprise for a wild-card spot. I'm not saying we're actually going to make that wild-card spot, but I think we can be in contention when it comes into September and, and make a run.
1: Speaking of the Twins last year, uh, what was the most interesting part of the simulation to me was that they literally had the AL Central like the exact same. It was crazy. They had the Indians going 96 and 66. So basically, they what they did last year, they won 102 games last year. They had the Twins at 85 and 77, which is what they won last year, and at 85 and 77, they have them missing the playoffs. Wow. Very so. interesting.
0: It, does that sim allow you to break into some of the player stats for the year?
1: Yeah, it sure does. Let me get into that. Hold on. I pulled up right here, actually. I kind of broke away to go look up the standings because I never actually did. I wanted to see out. So the, I know I remember seeing the league leader in batting average was like Wellington Castillo. They had him hitting two ninety eight. So I'm just going to say a couple of the key players who we want to see. So the year that they're projecting from Wellington Castillo is that he's going to hit two ninety-eight, have 24 home runs, and 74 RBIs. So a level of production that we haven't
0: seen at the catcher spot since AJ's there. You know that that will be absolutely fantastic if we can get that kind of production out of the catcher spot and still manage to lose that 95 many freaking games. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm thinking Jose Abreu had to have gotten injured at some point during this season. Let me see what he gives he played.
1: He played 154 games, played almost the whole year, had 23 home runs and 74 RBIs, almost the exact same power stats as Castillo, except he hit 262.
0: I don't think think there's any way that Jose Abreu doesn't hit 30 home runs this year. He's been a perennial 30 home run guy. There's no way that, that that power drops off.
1: Yeah. They actually predicted that Jose Abreu strikes out 146 times this
0: year. It looks like the reason that the White Sox will not contend this year, at least according to the show, is Jose Abreu's major drop-off in production.
1: Yeah, and the fact that Yael Moncada never turned the corner, I'm looking at his stats right here, and it's looking like he only hit 246 with four home runs in 110 games. So he got hurt for a little, like, 50-game stretch or so, maybe a couple different times. But he did not produce how, uh, you know, Sox Nation is kind of expecting him to produce this year. You know, the expectations are high. You can admit it. Everybody can admit it. Everybody wants Yo Kata to go out there and have a good year. I'll be disappointed if I see a year like that from him. I'm really hoping that he hits, like, above 270. You know, gets, like, somewhere close to, like, 60-70 RBIs, 10-15 home runs. Kind of turns a corner.
0: Well, if Yon Mankata is hurt for an extended period of time this year, I don't think the Sox can tend. I know my prediction of eighty three wins is kinda of lofty, but it also hinges on everybody being healthy and a guy like Yon going down for any extended period of time, you know, obviously we can look at something more along the lines of seventy wins max. Uh, if Yon goes down, I think if Wellington Castillo goes down a Jose Abreu goes down, they're not going to have the kind of year that, that I think they potentially have the ability to. Castillo I, is the most important guy there.
1: If Castillo yep. goes down, then they're screwed.
0: Yep, because I think that he actually has the potential to have a kind of season like we just saw in that sim, and that makes them so much better, especially with the fact that the last five years plus have been an automatic out almost in the catcher position Anytime they come to the plate. He also adds a little bit more on the defensive side, I think, than we've seen out of the catcher spot in the past few years. So, you know, Wellington Castillo is going to be a big piece for this club this season and next.
1: That was it for the hitting. You know, they had Avi Garcia making the all-star team, but he didn't have that great of a year. He only hit 270, so I'm assuming that he had a hot first half and then kind of cooled off uh the pitch they have Ronaldo Lopez going eight and 15 he had the most wins on the staff with eight they have Rodon going five and ten so when he comes back that's what they project him to do I actually did when I did the sim I put Rodon in the minors so that he couldn't play and then called him up around like I think I called him up on the draft because it stopped the sim and that was like right around June so that was and I think that's when they're projecting him to come back. So that's what they thought he was going to do. They had Miguel Gonzalez going 4 and 16 and then Giolito going 3 and 18 and James Shields. This is the craziest thing ever. I want I want I wonder if I can get a picture of this. He went 1 and 22. His ERA was 7.
0: 7.3. Absolutely terrible pitching out of James Shields. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I think I, I, I think James Shields would be DFA'd if he went with what did you say 1 and 27? No. 1 I think 1 and
1: 22.
0: 1 and 22. If James Shields goes 1 and 22 this year for the White Sox, we've got some major major issues.
1: Yeah, I, that would be really
0: interesting see. <laughs> I'm laughing at how bad that
1: is. But there's no way that that they actually let him Get to that, like you for sure. I mean, his contract is a ton. It's like a twenty million dollar contract. I was looking at it today, and I, I think you had mentioned uh, that the, that he's maybe tradable. He's there's no way to trade. They can't trade. He's so untradable. He's probably the most untradeable dude in the whole in all of Major League Baseball.
0: How do you let a pitcher so, go one in twenty two? I, I need to I, talk. I need to talk to MLB the show Rick Hahn. and you send the whole season out. and you.
1: Don't- you sim the whole season and you don't stop and check the stats at any point and you never make a change about it. I probably sh- I never called up or I never called up Kopech and I never called up Jimenez, so that'll definitely make a huge difference. But if the Sox are doing that bad, you're not gonna see Kopech until September.
0: Well, maybe we need to rerun this sim, but uh, either way, uh, not looking good for the Sox according to MLB The Show, and it looks like uh, we're gonna be having another top five draft pick next year. Yeah, right.
1: Future guests, future guests on White Sox Nation, a bit of breaking news and a breaking development. So in the Twitter sphere this week, uh, Section 108, which is like a local sports group that is ran by a bunch of uh, diehard White Sox fans. We kind of got to interact with them for the first time and kind of meet them. But they all sit they're all season ticket holders in Section 108 at, well, what started was Comiskey. They call it Comiskey still, so they're true loyal White Sox fans. Um, they had a March Madness of White Sox personalities. With March Madness going on, they filled out a bracket of all the White Sox personalities that are out there. They had a couple different regions. They have like bloggers. They have the actual writers for the White Sox. They have uh, Sox Twitter personalities. They have all of it. So, they started a bit of a ruckus on Twitter this week. Uh, Twitter was kind of going crazy, so we kind of told them we want to have them on the podcast, and they told us they'd be more than happy to come on, so look for them in the future.
0: Now, yes, they are going to come on our show, but I also want to ask you, who do you think is going to win this competition? Who's your money on? If we had to make a bet right here on air, who's your money Boy, on to win this White Sox Dave, White Sox Dave has like a crazy following. I I would put some money on White Sox Dave as well, but I do think you know somebody from the 108 has a chance to win this. Uh,
1: See, but then if that happens, then I think that there would be some sort of bias. There's too many voters involved for like something like that to happen. They're actually like they're getting crazy feedback on it, and I'm pissed that we didn't think of something like that.
0: And I'm also pissed that we didn't make it, but hey, there's always next year. There is. And I'm hoping that next year you and I are up in the in in the in the field of competition. I think we could we can get in there and, and probably lose round one, but at least we'd have our name out there. Hey, if we keep getting people to subscribe, you know, like,
1: comment, you know, leave positive ratings on the podcast and we keep getting our name out there, nothing but good things can happen.
0: So at least, uh, at least we've got a consensus. We're going White Sox-Dave. White Sox-Dave, we wish you the best in this competition, and uh, I think we're, we're both going to vote for you from here on out. Yeah, we're rooting for you, White
1: Sox-Dave. Uh, glad we kind of came to an agreement right there because I would have bet money on nobody else. I really think that's White Sox-Dave's uh, bracket to take. That is probably just going to about do it for us this week. Uh, we are going to bring you a reaction podcast opening night on Thursday after the Sox play the Royals. Tony, you got anything on that? I'm calling a White Sox winner. All right. Hoping for the White Sox win. We will talk to you guys soon. And until then, go White Sox. Go Sox. Well, come Sox. Go Sox.
0: Come on.